The subject of this speech is a topic which has been discovered recently and which may not exist at all. I may be talking about something that does not exist. Therefore, I'm free to say everything or nothing. I, in my stories and novels, often write about counterfeit worlds, semi-real worlds, as well as deranged private worlds, inhabited often by just one person, while meantime the other characters either remain in their own worlds throughout or are somehow drawn into one of the peculiar ones. This theme occurs in the corpus of my 27 years of writing. At no time did I have a theoretical or conscious explanation for my preoccupation with these pluriform pseudo-worlds, but now I think I understand. What I was sensing was the manifold of partially actualized realities lying tangent to what evidently is the most actualized one, the one which the majority of us by consensus gentium agree on. I wrote out these dreams in novel after novel, story after story, to name two in which this prior ugly present obtained most clearly. I cite The Man in the High Castle and my 1974 novel about the U.S. as a police state called Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said. I'm going to be very candid with you. I wrote both novels based on fragmentary residual memories of such a horrid slave state world. People claim to remember past lives. I claim to remember a different, very different present life. I know of no one who has ever made this claim before, but I rather suspect that my experience is not unique. What perhaps is unique is the fact that I am willing to talk about it. We are living in a computer programmed reality, and the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed and some alteration in our reality occurs. We would have the overwhelming impression that we were reliving the present, deja vu, perhaps in precisely the same way, hearing the same words, saying the same words. I submit that these impressions are valid and significant. And I will even say this, such an impression is a clue that at some past time point, a variable was changed reprogrammed as it were and that because of this an alternative world branched off hello and welcome to the gnostic warrior podcast broadcasting from san diego california to around the world i'm your host mo and today on the show we do a deep dive into philip k dick's gnostic dystopian world known as the black iron prison this will be part of a two this will be a two-part series where the first part will be free and the second part will be for members only. Please go to gnosticwarrior.com slash members to learn how you could become a member. Or if you prefer Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash Mo Bedard. M-O-E-B-E-D-A-R-D. If you become a member of the Gnostic Warrior community, you'll be able to see the second part for free and you'll also get two free bonus episodes every single month by becoming a member you can also fund these podcasts and become an active member of the gnostic warrior community and interact with me on facebook and now it's time for the show so long as the root of wickedness is hidden it is strong but when it is recognized it is dissolved when it is revealed it perishes it is powerful because we have not recognized it. 
That quote was from the Gospel of Philip, an ancient Gnostic text. One of Philip K. Dick's most famous Gnostic theories was that of the Black Iron Prison, which he described as an invisible complex life form that was a criminal virus and self-perpetuating. Its human representatives were the fake people and inauthentic human beings who were its unwitting slaves. They were the army for the Roman Empire, which he claimed never ended. They just went underground. It stems from an interest on my part in the problem of differentiating the authentic human being from the reflex machine, which I call an android. Uh -huh. uh, trying to find criteria which would be applicable to actual human life as we know it now. That is, qualities that show up, for example, in the schizoid affective type, which is a flattening of affect, an inappropriate uh, emotion accompanying, you know, ratiocination. Right. Uh, where, for me, the word android is a metaphor for people who are physiologically human but psychologically behaving in a non-human way. I got interested in this when I was doing research for Man in the High Castle and I was studying the Nazi mentality and I discovered that although these people were highly intelligent, they were definitely deficient in some manner in appropriate affect, in appropriate emotions that, that would accompany, you know, the, the intellectual process. And as I studied the Nazi mentality, the, the, especially uh, the uh, castle system and the SS that were being deliberately created as cadres, I became conscious of the possibility of a very highly intelligent human being who was emotionally uh, so defective that the word human could not properly be applied to him. And I used this in my writing in terms of uh, such terms as android and robot, but I'm really referring to an actually psychologically defective or malfunctioning or pathological human being. These defective personalities were so lethal, so dangerous to human beings that it might be necessary ultimately to fight them. That, that uh, in other words, the only, that they could not be cured, they could not be changed, and that we might literally have to, it might literally wind up as a contest to see whether the humans won or the, quote, androids, unquote, won. Now, the problem then would be that would we become like the androids in our very effort to wipe them out, you see? Ah, yes. Would, would, would we inhale the contagion in the very act of trying to uh, abolish the contagious uh, element? Uh -huh. You see, so a further problem is then created, is, 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 the, is the paradox of if you kill a person because he's inhuman, do you not become inhuman in the act of killing him? Think of the black iron prison as a synonymous term to the matrix to describe our world and the hidden realities which govern it as it exists today. Dick shares through his novels and his own personal story about being a prisoner trapped within it. According to Dick, those people who do not believe in this world are the victims of its illusions, and the people who believe in it are its victims. Both are slaves, but neither is free. Both must endure its suffering without hope of release or reprieve, because there is no escape from this world. We are all trapped, unable to break free from the hidden chains of our own enslavement because we have been conditioned to believe we live in freedom. Dick writes, We are in a kind of prison but don't know it. The black iron prison is a vast complex life form which protects itself by inducing a negative hallucination of it, he says. The criminal virus controls by occluding, putting us in a sort of half-sleep. The occlusion is a self-perpetuating, 
it makes us unaware of it. It was as if this living organism that Dick writes of is immortal, self-perpetuating as it self-generates until we manage to break its spell. Dick writes, the very occlusion itself prevents us from assessing, overcoming, or being aware of the occlusion. This self-generating organism has the ability to insert itself in our thoughts without us ever knowing it is there. A type of mind virus or parasite creating thought disorder, Dick says. There is some kind of ubiquitous thinking dysfunction which goes unnoticed, especially by the persons themselves. And this is the horrifying part of it. Somehow the self-monitoring circuit in the person is fooled by the very dysfunction it is supposed to monitor. When we have fallen under its spell or its control, we are completely unaware and appear to be normal, but we often have the sense that we are no longer ourselves. It's as if we've been hijacked by something alien to ourselves as it exploits the hidden aspects that control our reality. It enters the newer circuits of our brain, our gastrointestinal tracts, and our central nervous systems. All the while, we are asleep to the fact that this organism that constitutes the black iron prison has commandeered our very bodies and brains by exploiting the unconscious systems of our minds, making us all, as Dick says, its unwitting slaves. It's interesting when I, I think about this black iron prison and this organism that Dick writes about, as if it's, as if its goal is to use humans as its host. Its goal is to use us humans as its hosts, not only to harvest our energy and our thoughts, which this living organism appears to feed upon, but to use its victims to control the planet, making us a type of android or zombie slave for its cause. Dick says that it warps us into this micro-extension of itself. This is why it and its slaves are so dangerous. He writes, This is the dread thing it does extending its android thinking more and more extensively. It exerts a dreadful and subtle power, and more and more people fall into its field by means of which it grows." End quote. Dick claims there is a collusion between us and the Black Iron Prison, and we are sources of psychic and psychological energy to it. We help power it, he says. It is interesting that he describes that the more people who fall under its field, it makes humans a micro-extension of itself by which it gains power and grows larger. So we got to look at the people around us. What are the, some of these key traits that we might have to look out for for these androids, for these zombies? Dick says that some of the key traits and human characteristics that he points out are signs that a person is no longer themselves and has fallen under the control of this organism that becomes a de facto prison guard for their souls. For Dick, android or robot-like thinking, i.e. groupthink or sheeple-like behavior with no creativity, is one of the main qualities proving that the immune system and mind has been officially hijacked, making us its slave. He had said, This is the sinister life form indeed. First, it takes power over us, reducing us to slaves, and then it causes us to forget our former state and be unable to see or think straight and not to know we can't see or think straight, and finally it becomes invisible to us by reason of what it has done to us. We cannot even monitor our own deformity, our own impairment. Dick continues, It is as if the immune system has failed to detect the invader, a pathogen. Yes, the human brain has been invaded, 
and once invaded, is occluded to the invasion and the damage resulting from the invasion. It has now become an instrument for the pathogen. It winds up serving as its slave, and thus the heavy metal spec, i.e. the black iron prison, is replicated. He says, We may not be what we seem even to ourselves. A usurper is on the throne. It's as if what Dick writes about, there's a spiritual coup d'etat upon its unwitting victim, and even nations who become puppets. Dick rants, We're a fucking goddamn biosphere, ruled by an entity who, like a hypnotist, can make us not only quack like a duck on cue, but imagine, to boot, that we wanted to quack. He describes the mind that has been captured as having a mental illness that is dead and becomes fossilized. Dick writes, This section died. It became fossilized and merely repeats itself. This is scary. It is like a mental illness. One day nothing new ever entered his mind, and the last thought just recirculated endlessly. Thus death rules here. The black iron prison is the form of this death, its embodiment of what is wrong here. End quote. According to Dick, the black iron prison was not just a living parasitical organism that could commandeer our minds and bodies to make us its puppets. It had also managed to weave its filamental web into a totalitarian world government ruled by an elite consisting of powerful corporations and individuals who have enslaved most of humanity for thousands of years. The greatest menace that faces the human being in the 20th century is the coming into existence in our times of a totalitarian state which can take many forms. It can take the form of, uh, doesn't have to take the form of, of right-wing fascism. It can take the form of left-wing fascism. It can take the form of psychological movements. It can take the form of religious movements. I mean, it can be asked or it can be the Hare Krishna people. It can be Sinanon, drug rehabilitation places. It can be powerful people, it, it, manipulatory people, manipulative people. Um, it can be in a relationship where you're in a relationship with someone who is more powerful than you psychologically. If you're enjoying this podcast and you would like to enjoy it commercial-free without any interruptions and also see the second part for free, please go to GnosticWarrior.com members and learn how you can become a member for as little as $5 a month and also get two free bonus episodes. If you prefer Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash Mo Bedard. We'll see you there. The Black Iron Prison was first coined by Dick in his 1974 essay, The Android and the Human, and was developed further in his novel, Phallus. In 1974, he wrote about how our lives were controlled by technology. You know what I mean when I say that we have all become slaves to machines. We look at them as our masters, but they are more than that. They are gods. In Dick's novel, Vallis, the protagonist experiences a series of events that lead him to believe that he has been trapped in an alternate reality created by an entity known as Vallis, which is an acronym for Vast Active Living Intelligence System. He later learns from Vallis itself that his perceptions are accurate, that he has indeed been imprisoned inside what appears to be our own universe, but is actually a simulation created by a higher intelligence for unknown purposes. 
Vallis told him that the world was in fact a kind of prison for humanity, with its population divided into four classes, slaves who work, soldiers who protect, priests who control, and rulers who decide. The rulers live in opulence while everyone else lives in squalor. They send out light signals to keep their subjects docile so they won't revolt against their oppression. It is referred to as the Empire, with its emblem being an eagle holding lightning bolts in its claws. He says that humans are unable to comprehend the universe because they are trapped inside their own minds, which he calls a kind of straitjacket or force field. In his novel, Vallis, where Phil's alter ego, horse lover Fat, known as Phil, has an encounter with God who shows him visions from his own past life. These visions show Phil how his present life and reality are actually an illusion created by an evil demiurge that wants to keep humans enslaved by their own ignorance and fear. As, uh, seeing what in the sky, what can, I conceived of as an evil, an evil face, an evil deity or demiurge, that I wanted the reassurance that there was a benign deity more powerful. Mm. And my priest actually said, you know, that perhaps I should become a Lutheran because I seem to actually sense the presence of Satan. Mm. And this has continued to plague me uh, as an intimation. The intimation that the God of this world is evil. Uh, it's the Gnostic belief. I mean, technically it is, it is Manichaeism or Gnosticism. Either one will do. And uh, in my new book that I just sent off last December to Bannon, which I worked on for five years, I try finally to come to a conscious, deliberate, intellectual assault on the problem of evil, evil carried to a transcendent level, evil deified. Face that which the Buddha faced, you know, where the Buddha, seeing the evil of the world, suffering the evil of the world, came to the conclusion there could be no creator God. Because if there were, it could not be this way. So much evil, so much suffering. Mm. And I had come to an even worse conclusion. I had come to the conclusion that there was a, a deity of this world, and he was evil. And this was something I just simply could not escape from. This demiurge creates a world that appears real but isn't real at all. It's just another form of control over us. Philip K. Dick wrote, Once in a cheap science fiction novel, Fat had come across a perfect description of the Black Iron Prison, but set it far in the future. In an interview with Laura Huxley in 1974, he said, The Empire never ended. We are living in a kind of continuation of the worst of the Roman Empire, a Black Iron Prison. In other interviews, he described an oppressive society where people were controlled by machines. He believed that technological advances had created huge corporations which were run for profit rather than the people's benefit. This made it difficult for ordinary people to make their voices heard when things went wrong. It's interesting when you look at this concept of the black iron prison. It's something that's been around for quite some time and used by many people throughout history to describe different aspects of the human condition. For example, there's the ancient Gnostic concept of the Archons, who are deities of evil spirits in Gnosticism who rule the material world. They are called Archons because they have dominion over us. 
They rule over us, they control our lives, they keep us ignorant, and they prevent access to divine knowledge that is within all of us. The term archon is derived from the ancient Greek archon, ruler, leader, chief. The word was used to refer the political leaders or governors in general in ancient Greece. Like Dick, the Gnostics believed that we could escape from the prison by overcoming these archons through secret knowledge or gnosis revealed by Jesus Christ or other enlightened beings. In the New Testament, God's enemies, who are called principalities and powers, are referred to by the Apostle Paul in his epistles as he uses archon in a trans, in a trans, transcendental context. Paul alludes to the black iron prison when he describes his world as one filled with suffering and pain, saying that we are all in bondage and decay, and that we are all prisoners of hope. In Buddhism, there's a similar idea known as samsara, or reincarnation. The Buddha taught that we are trapped in this endless cycle of suffering because we cling to false ideas about reality. George Gurdjieff once said, Before you can escape from prison, you must first realize that you are in prison. In modern times, we have, of course, The Matrix with Neo, and then we have the infamous radio show with Alex Jones and his prison planet, and the war for your mind, Infowars. According to Philip K. Dick, to see it is to see the ailment, the complex which warps all other thoughts to it. He claims that when we begin to see what formerly was concealed to us or from us, and the shock is great since we have all our lives been trading, doing business with evil. Dick believed that lies and anything fake or false was how this living organism was using its slaves inauthentic humans to carry out its mission in creating fictitious realities to keep us distracted from the true evil that lurks beneath our skin and all around us. Dick wrote, The bombardment of pseudo-realities begins to produce inauthentic humans very quickly. He says, It has grown vine-like into our information media and is an information life form. He continues, Fake realities will produce fake humans or fake humans will produce fake realities and then sell them to other humans, turning them eventually into forgeries of themselves. He compares this to the figure of Satan, who is the liar. Dick believed that an authentic human cannot be compelled to do what they are not. He elaborates, The power of spurious realities battering at us today, these deliberately manufactured fakes never penetrate to the heart of true human beings. For Philip K. Dick, the black iron prison is eternal and ubiquitous. It has been around for thousands of years and it will be around for thousands more. It is the controlling force behind all governments, religions, and systems of authority on earth. The black iron prison is a system designed to keep us from knowing our true nature as divine beings who can create our own reality through thought. The reason why we don't know about this system is that it operates on the unconscious level. It is designed to work below our conscious perception so that we don't notice it operating in our lives. One of its prisoners was Philip K. Dick, a man whose mind will forever be known as the best science fiction writers who has ever lived. However, while in prison, his body in chains suffered from his internal incarceration with a dangerous drug addiction, depression, and schizophrenia. After several neurological problems during the 1970s that resulted in brief hospitalizations, Dick began experiencing extreme paranoia and hallucinations. 
He suffered from a heart attack in 1976, which led him to believe that his life would soon end. As such, he instructed his wife not to revive him after death if there were any problems with resurrection attempts on him later down the line. In 1982, Dick was found unconscious on the floor of his Santa Ana, California home, having suffered a stroke. On February 25, 1982, he suffered another stroke in the hospital, which led to brain death. At only age 53 on March 2, 1982, Philip's family pulled the plug on the Black Iron Prison and disconnected him from life support. He died four months before the release of Blade Runner, the film based on his novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sleep? In the end, Dick decided to make his final escape from the Empire, or did he? Was it Dick who pulled the plug on his brain via a stroke, or the very black iron prison sending one last shock to take him out for his meth addiction that plagued him all his life? A kind of crypto death penalty for transgressions against the unseen. I will leave you with one prophetic quote, I will leave you with one of his prophetic quotes to ponder if he was a genius, Gnostic, madman, or all the above, Dick said. There will come a time when it isn't they're spying on me through my phone anymore. Eventually, it will be my phone is spying on me. In typical Dicktopian prophetic fashion, he was right. One thing's for sure, the Black Iron Prison certainly likes its Gnostic prophets no matter how mad the unauthentic world may think they are. My relationship with the United States has always been a very bad one. Um, it has always seemed to me that I was about to be arrested by the American police for some obscure reason. And perhaps that's because of reading Kafka's The Trial. That, that book influenced me very much, you know, where, where someone is arrested for a crime and he is never told what crime he has committed. And in Berkeley, uh, we were very radical. And um, there's a Bob Dylan song, uh, let's see, he says, uh, whatever it was you were doing, you don't know what it was, but the police say you're doing it again, something like that. And I always had that feeling. And uh, uh, it was a symbol of my sense of alienation from my own country's culture. I mean, uh, they didn't read my books, and I didn't like them, and I didn't feel any affinity, any any relatedness to my neighbors and the, the population in general. I remember one time my fear of the police was so great that whenever I saw a parked police car and I was driving along, I would ask my wife to stop our car and I would surrender to the police on the spot <laughs> to whatever whatever crime they wanted to accuse me of. Um, my fears became greater uh, during the Nixon administration um, because at that time there really was some basis for people like me to worry. Uh, after Nixon was deposed, my fears went away completely, and I have a sense now that the United States is a permissive and tolerant nation. Uh, as far as my reputation in the United States, I don't expect ever to have any reputation in the United States except, uh, well, the police once told me that I was a crusader, and they had no use for crusaders. But unfortunately, they didn't tell me what I was crusading for. I, I, I was afraid to ask what it was I was a crusader for. 
and they told me that if I did not get out of the county, I would be shot in the back or worse some night. And I merely took their advice. I left the United States and went to Canada for a while. But I never found out what I was crusading for. Uh, it may have had something to do with my writing. It may have had something to do with my lifestyle or a combination of both. But I was too afraid of the police to ask what it was I was doing. If you're enjoying this podcast and you would like to enjoy it commercial-free without any interruptions and also see the second part for free, please go to GnosticWarrior.com slash members and learn how you can become a member for as little as $5 a month and also get two free bonus episodes. If you prefer Patreon, please go to Patreon.com slash Mo Bedard. We'll see you there.